0: What you have always wanted to do. Every year on Max's Island, we like to begin the year by reflecting on some of our interesting guests from the previous year and then to combine their stories into a mixed episode that has added meaning. These extended episodes are a great way for you to allow yourself the time to refresh your energy for the new year and be inspired by the experiences of others. In this episode of 2, in the 2023 Starter Series, you'll hear the stories from three strong women of our world, all who have had significant moments that have shaped the rest of their lives. They all had common desires to seek a meaningful life and career. And interestingly, each of them have a story that has some closely related themes and experiences. Firstly, we'll remember the story from Crystal Thule as she describes her personal experience with perfection and an eating disorder triggered by a fixation with biohacking, and her constant struggle with conflicting masculine and feminine traits to realise what was important in her life. Her journey of discovery has seen her become a certified embodied performance coach with the objective of helping ambitious women reach their goals by taking an evidence-based approach to empower them to perform and feel at their best by managing their energy. Later in this episode, I'll also be introducing the stories of Sarah Gregg and Emily Silver Hockstra. So sit back and be inspired by these amazing stories.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm uh, so excited to be on your island. And uh, typically, those pivotal moments happen when I've lost myself in a big way and I realize um, how off track I've been. And the story I want to share has two two moments when I really lost myself in a big way leading up to the the, the same realization. And the first part happened in, I think it was like 2018 or 19. So, and I was... In 2017 I got into biohacking which is like health optimization. I read a book by Dave Asprey that said like it's we have this bias or perception that the older we get the uh, the weaker we feel, the sicker we are, slower we are. This is actually a lie and we can, you know, manage our energy and feel our best no matter what age we're at. And that was that was such an aha moment for me, like, wow, this is possible. I want this, I want to feel this way. So uh, fast forward, um, like a year later, uh, I remember like during the summer, like going to festivals and um, naturally I've been biohacking really hardcore for a year. And it was like 8 p.m. and I was completely exhausted. Uh, I was 27. So I was like, this is not normal for um, Brian, I consider myself still young, to feel absolutely exhausted by like seven and eight. And then I went to Germany with a couple of my friends. And I remember, uh, for dinner, we went to a bar, and I looked at the menu, and I saw there was nothing I could eat that was considered... Uh, Biohacker friendly, Uh, and I I completely broke down. I started crying. I had a nervous breakdown, and so one of my friends, we went outside and he sat with me. And for me, until I calmed down, and we found a nicer restaurant for me to eat my vegetables and and meat or something like that. And then, like I was at my parents' place. Same thing happened. Uh, they didn't have anything um, for me to eat, uh, and well, I was eating like I think I remember eggs and paprika and zucchini. And I, I remember my body started like shaking and shivering because I was so I was cold. Basically, what happened is I was so underweight uh, and um, so cold, and my hormones were all over the place. That uh, that's when I really realized okay, these types of behaviors of like breakdowns and I like really had to check what I eat and at restaurants I had I asked the waitress or waiter to always change my food menu uh the food so it will only have the ingredients that I considered healthy and then that was in what 2019 uh 2020 I I finally read about wow like uh Biohacking or health optimization for women is different than for men. And that's when I realized I actually developed an eating disorder called orthorexia, which is an unhealthy focus on eating in a healthy way. Once I've really still gotten out of the the eating disorder, I then focused on um, my behaviors. So this this notion of masculine and feminine traits of, you know, what it means to be a woman. Like a woman is like, wears long dresses and is really like flying around really soft and gentle. And and so that was kind of like, oh, I want to be this woman. I want to be this perfect person. That was, the notion was, I wanted to be this perfect person in every aspect of my life. So I learned from this eating, uh, the health part, but now I kind of focused on, okay, well, I just want to, you know, you know like attract the best the perfect partner and I needed to be the perfect woman to attract the perfect partner. And, um, and that actually escalated to the point of everything. When, 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 when some of my girlfriends spoke about like, Oh, I, I just like, I have this, feminine brain right now I just triggered me like what does it mean what the hell does like feminine femininity mean and masculinity and it escalated to the point of one of my best friends she at her birthday she was complimenting every single guest on what she admires in them the most and when she got to me she said that I am the most organized structured person she's ever met and that's considered very masculine trait of like you know structured goals strategy and that was the biggest offensive of, offensive words someone could ever say i was so offended by it and not i wasn't offended by her but i just like just the notion oh my god i am so structured and or, someone sees me as this I am horrible, like oh, I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a woman. So that was kind of the feeling. And uh, I think that was also like the breaking point um, of of this whole saga of wanting to become this perfect person. So even though I was successful and and selling a lot uh, and, you know, living my best life in that sense, it was uh, I was um, I was also in in university in England. So um, and I remember as I was graduating from uh, my bachelor's, looking up at the sky and saying, you know, I was constantly uh telling myself you know i am working for this brighter future in the future i never have to worry about work i never have to worry about money so i was like building myself up and i realized then you know what if i don't learn to live in the present moment that desired future will never come because never nothing was ever going to be enough and i was never going to be enough So, and I also got feedback from, you know, other people I was working with, of how they perceived me. I, at that time, because I was, I was uh, constantly in stress, fight or flight, constantly, super anxious. So what that meant was I could really snap easily. So I could be really, really like straightforward, aggressive, uh, and, you know, just, Speak my mind, but in a very ruthless way, and then uh, and also work really hard, and then I would burn out. So I was living a very extreme life of also of my emotions, and um, I kind of got this feedback of how people perceived me, and I was like, "This is not me. Like this is not how I see myself. This is not who I truly am." And so that realization um, also uh, made me decide I need to change, and I knew the only way I could change, I need Help. So I actually got a coach who taught me the. F- I had uh, one year, I had a coach whose sole purpose was to teach me how to relax, how to simply be. And it took me a year uh and I remember it was my first exercise was just looking at a candle because I'm a fire element so I really love fire so uh he told me just you know look at a candle no matter how many seconds or minutes just look at a candle and then next day look at it again or whenever so this became like again it became like a obsessive mission of like looked at a candle first for like 10 seconds and then um a little bit later I got my girlfriends involved so we went we went to a cafe to look at a candle so we just watched the candle it was very, very <laughs> relaxing yeah that's how it started really um and um, that's also maybe a part of the reason why I am a coach now because I have gotten like I've made quantum leaps so very very fast progresses in my life with someone you know with a coach with a trainer whatever so because it's like you can only st- you know, you can't really see your blind spots. I'm super, super grateful for that realization and that decision to seek help. I work with very accomplished women, typically, uh, like entrepreneurs, executives, and they always have a sense of, you know, like the Uh, not feeling enough and not doing enough, you know, and that leads to burnout and anxiety and stress. And that's when they come to me and like, I don't want to live this life. And I'm like, I totally understand. And that was actually when uh, it really clicked with me after my, I really realized I have an eating disorder and also like this struggling with this femininity and masculinity. And like, what does it mean? When I um, became a workaholic, I, I, Now, in retrospect, realized I followed all the men's advice. Most of my mentors were men. So they were telling me, yeah, like, you know, work the schedule of like, wake up at 5.59 a.m. and do all of these things like, you know, plan your day uh, to the minute and i am a very teachable person so i'm very open like yep i'm gonna do this um and i think that's also part of why i have been successful but it's also who do you listen to and then same thing with biohacking and this eating disorder i just also didn't realize i was following men men saying yeah you have to fast fasting for 16 hours is amazing for you only eating keto or paleo like High fat uh, high protein, but low carbs that's the best way. I followed all of these things and uh, and then I then I realized like wow women are different than men and uh, it's not really advocated and it's really sad of these. Um, and that's why I always want to mention, I take responsibility of whenever I mention something, I always want to bring out, you know, especially with we talk about healthy food. Okay, yeah, like, but if you are a man or a woman, like please do your own research. If not, it's not applicable to everyone. And I didn't know this. I didn't know I have to I had to do my own research of like if someone recommended me fasting, that you know what, it's actually only good for men. And if you're a fertile woman with a with a um Uh, menstrual cycle, you know, it's actually can be really, really uh, bad for you. And you can make yourself sick. And it's not just me, I have several friends, girlfriends of mine who have experienced the same thing. So this was like, I really realized, yeah, we, we have kind of taught how to succeed in a very masculine word, even the nine to five uh, work, you know, our expectation to Perform at our best every single day uh, is exhausting. And that's actually, I think, one of the big reasons why all over the world uh, women are quitting after COVID and during COVID women are quitting jobs and they're not returning they're actually starting their own businesses so they can really manage their own schedules and especially where if women struggle with pms so this is like premenstrual syndrome of having like cramps and headaches of like you know and you can't really take that much time off work and it's like also am i am i enough or i'm not successful if i take time off so um so that's why they quit but obviously when you're entrepreneur things can be as bad because you you don't have anyone setting boundaries and you are the only one who has to set boundaries for yourself and i've been an entrepreneur for now 15 years so i have had to learn how to set my own own boundaries and and schedules because like otherwise i can easily work 24 7. I have the strong notion that consistency, at least for women, leads to burnout, because a lot of the time, the consistency is um, we make decisions only with our head, not with our body. So with our head, I have a good example. I had this client who came to me, uh, a woman, like, I'm not consistent. Like, even like a simple example of um, she wanted to stretch in the morning. And I asked her, why do you want to stretch in the morning? Uh, well, I, I read, I see it on Instagram. Like you have to stretch in the morning. I read, this is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, okay. So I, I guided her to, to her heart and intuition. Okay, what do you really love doing? It's kind of similar. And she, uh, her body said dancing. And they're like, would dancing be a more effortless way for you to do in, your, during, in the morning? And she was like, yes. So that's kind of the difference of you know what, um, especially with consistency of uh, yes, you have to be in that sense consistent to build a business. But what you do, uh, so what are the habits or what are the tasks you want to be consistent in or with, really depends on you know if if it's just you have this idea or you read somewhere this is what you're supposed to do, but maybe it's. Doesn't work for you at all. It's like your body is like, no, this is so not for me. And that's where this uh, conflict happens with your head and your body. And that's when you easily burn out. And that's, I think, why people quit as well, because they just can't handle it anymore um so that's why in my coaching I really uh, always integrate uh the body as well in whatever the women want to achieve it's like okay what does your body tell you and what are the best ways for you to be successful and sometimes it can be you know body tells like I need a vacation I need to rest and that can be the best best for them to actually be even more successful
0: Sarah Gregg thought she had it all, but during a holiday away with her husband, they decided just to sell up, move on from their secure jobs and just travel. And then, just see what happens. The freedom of this lifestyle nourished her soul, but consumed her savings and within a few weeks of having to make a financially driven decision to possibly go home for good, something special happened, and she was offered a book deal. Sarah then got the feeling of where she was meant to be. The amazing process of writing the book happened in Copenhagen, another place where Sarah and her husband Chris just happened to travel to. The book took 10 months to write and was finally published in 2020, just two years after she was first contacted by the publisher. The launch was in New York, and in her own words, it was like being in a movie, like being in Sex in the City, in downtown Manhattan.
2: Not that long ago in 2016, um, if you kind of like jump with me in the time machine and we'll all go back there together. I guess if you were to arrive at my house and look at my life on the outside, it would seem like everything was fine. You know, I had a, a really good job, and um, I had a house, a car. We recently got married. We were married for about a year and a half at that stage, and everything looked good. But my inner world, like how I felt about my life, was in tatters. Really, it was crumbling at the at, at the seams, um, and. I just didn't know what I wanted. I felt really unhappy and unfulfilled, lost, a little bit angry if I'm being completely honest about life, you know, because I felt like I had followed the rules. I had gone to school, got the education, got the good job, worked my way up the career ladder, like ticked a lot of those boxes. And yet, I was missing that reward of happiness and fulfillment. And that was the point when everything changed. I think I've heard it said before, you know, the universe kind of whispers to you. And then if you ignore the whispers, they turn into a roar. And I feel like that was the case for me, that there were things that I chose not to notice because they were uncomfortable at the time. You know, I told myself that everything was fine, that I just needed to be more grateful that this is how life was. And I do often wonder that if I had have maybe lent into that discomfort, like would have have that taken me down a different path. Um, But the reality was for me, it was that sudden roar that came and it was um, a dramatic decision um, in a lot of ways, but the only one that I felt that we could take. um, And the change happened quite quickly. I'm very fortunate in that um, I've been with my husband for a long time so we met at university and um, we've been together for 17 years now and then we've got a very open and kind of like safe relationship Um, but I was still really nervous you know we We had talked about getting married, but we didn't really talk about what was going to happen after that. (laughs) Um, And I remember we went away on holiday and it was our first holiday together in five years. Um, And we both loved to travel. And it had taken us that long to do it because we kept on saying yes to other people's priorities. You know, yes to weekends away with friends. Yes to things with family and kind of putting ourselves at the bottom of the list. And we were in Thailand and just all of those feelings kind of came flooding back you know the contrast of this is what I want and this what f- is what feels good to me like traveling seeing the world exploring like this lights me up and it's in such contrast to how I feel at home I remember just like nervously sitting on the beach and saying I don't really think that I'm happy and if this is what adulthood is and what life looks like for the next you know 40 plus years all being well, I don't really know if that excites me. And that kind of led to like a really nice conversation um, over a few glasses of wine where we gradually obviously got a bit more braver and ambitious, (laughs) which turned into, well, if it doesn't make us happy, what if we just got rid of it all, downsized and went part time in our jobs and then that evolved to, well, what if we just sold everything sold the house, quit our jobs, sold all our possessions and just went away. And it started as a bit of a joke, really, if I'm honest. But that joke very quickly turned into a reality. Yeah, and it was equal parts exciting and scary for us because it was a real risk, you know, and it was this feeling of, it feels right in my gut, but logically it makes no sense at all. And I can't describe that feeling to someone, you know, it's more of a feeling than it is a thing. So when people would say, how do you know you're making the right decision? It's like, I, I don't, but I just feel that it's right. And I I, I can't explain that. Um, and that's hard for people to get their head around. Um, but I think sometimes, especially in those moments when you kind of maybe you know, your foundations are crumbling around you and you feel like you're at a a, a low point or a rock bottom or whatever you want to describe it. Sometimes there kind of is no other choice. Like you just, it, it doesn't even require courage. It just requires faith that there has to be something on the other side of it. Yeah, it was May the 4th. And we got on a plane to Malaysia and honestly i think that's when reality really started to hit that we'd that we'd done it and we had no clue what was going to come next no sense of purpose um it really was just like turning the next kind of chapter in life and there's there's a completely blank page which is every part exhilarating because everything and nothing is a possibility, but it's also terrifying, you know, did to, to not really know your purpose to not know what you want in life to not really know who you are as well. Like I felt like I'd lost so much of myself. It was a real period of, um, of like rebuilding and figuring stuff out. We did a few weeks, um, there, and then we headed off to Bali was our next stop. Um, we spent a couple of months there. Um, and along the way, we were just so open um, to the experience that we kind of met people that were, you know, they weren't, I don't think they'll ever realize the impact that they had on our lives through the little conversations that they shared with us. You know, one guy that we met um on the island in Malaysia. You know, he said, "Oh, if you want to run like a business online, you need to go to Chiang Mai." You know, that's kind of where a lot of digital nomads kind of hang out. Um, and so we went to Bali. We didn't really, didn't really enjoy it there. If I'm being like totally honest, I mean, it's beautiful and it's amazing, but it, it just wasn't for us for different reasons. Um, and so we remembered this conversation we had it up to Chiang Mai, and that just felt like we threw ourselves into this incredible community of like minded people who were trying to live life on their terms and very differently and were building a life around how did they work and travel and do more of the things that they loved. And I think that's where things really started to shift and change. I did a lot of different things before I started my business. I had a lot of different ventures. I thought I wanted to be a travel blogger. And um, so I did a little bit of that for a while. I did some Instagram stuff. I wrote CVs. I just tried everything because I didn't know what I wanted. And then um, how I ended up setting up the business is quite unexpected, in that I went to this um I went to this workshop in Chiang Mai and the lady hosted it. Um, yeah her methods were definitely not based on science and they really tapped into the vulnerability of some people in the room and it really angered me that here was this kind of like group of women feeling quite lost feeling a little bit vulnerable and kind of being sold something that would never work ever work um and I got so angry on the way home like so angry And I couldn't get it out of my head, like, how could someone do this? How could someone take advantage of people? And I came back and I I told Chris about it, uh, my husband, Chris. And he was like, well, you know, I guess like if you're not going to be part of that world, you know, it it creates space for other people to be part of it. You know, like if you want to see a change in the self-help industry and how it's run, like you need to be part of it. Um, my background is in psychology, neurolinguistic programming and coaching. i have done it for over 10 years in a professional capacity, mainly as a business coach. Um, and at that stage, I was like, yeah, OK, like, you know, I do feel passionate about this. And um, I don't want to I don't want to instantly work with people because I feel a little bit broken myself and I don't feel like that's ethical. Um, but what I will do is I started up a little Instagram account called The Power to Reinvent in the November um, and I just started to share things that were meaningful for me and studies and research and tips that helped me along my journey and from that then The Power to Reinvent was, was born and and I felt alive, like completely alive passionate about what I did it didn't feel like work back then and it still doesn't feel like work now like I sometimes can't believe that people pay me to do things because, like I would just do it for free because I I love it like I I live and breathe it I would do it I would just do it because I love it and I think that's the key shift and it was the contrast from before before I did things because I thought it would make other people love me as opposed to doing it because I love to do it for me. My journal was on the bed. I had nothing to post on Instagram that day and I walked past it and I had this little fleeting thought like so quick that went, oh yeah, you should just take a photo of that journal and upload it. And the journal was a journal system that I had developed. It was um, a journal system based on the psychology of flow, which is our ideal state of happiness, where we feel our best and perform our best. And I've been really kind of utilizing that psychology in my own life to get in alignment and live life on my terms. And so I took these awful photos I mean I encourage anyone like to go on the Instagram profile and find this post because it it's really not impressive it's like two photos of my journal and then a caption underneath that describes the journal system for flow and what it does and how it works and I put it out there just thinking hope it might help someone thought nothing of it and the next day I had an email from an editor in New York who said hi Sarah I've been following you for a while I read blog side note she was probably one of about 63 60 to 80 people who read my blog at the time I had like a tiny audience and she was like I love your work I love what you do um, and I think that this post that you put on about the journal system is a book would you be interested in pitching for a book deal and that is kind of The next kind of like turning point in the story where everything really changed in a big, 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 hugely, wildly unexpected way. But also, again, getting back to that feeling, like a feeling of this is where I'm meant to be. And even though it was again, not logical. I hadn't written anything before apart from my blog. I had this childhood dream actually of being a writer, um, which I kind of tucked away to the back of my mind. I had like various drafts of books in my laptop. Like I would just write kind of like for fun or to, you know, work out ideas, but they were secret. They'd never been shared with anybody before. And yet here I was going to write a book that would be published and sold, you know, in across the world from Europe, you know, to the US, Canada and beyond. Then I had to write the book that I'd never written before, which was actually amazing. Like, it really was an amazing process. And I loved every second of it of the writing like I had an editor who guided me through it I almost kind of wanted to make it like a movie in my head where I would get on my bike in Copenhagen and I would like cycle off to the cafe or the park and I would read research and I would you know give my give myself a lot of time and space like to write that book it's not a long book I think it's like 20,000 words um but it probably took me 10 months like, to write that book, to write those 20,000 words, like, so I had that, I had that space, and I allowed myself that space to do a lot of different drafts, and get creative with ideas, and yeah, I loved it, like, I really, really loved it. Yeah, there's a second book, so After Find Your Flow came out in the same year, about nine months later, the publisher came back to me and said, we'd like you to write a second book. Um, We want it to be called Choose Happy. We think you're like the perfect kind of author for it. Do you want to write it? To which I was like, yeah, of course. But I didn't want it to be called Choose Happy. So I was like, can we change the title? Because that sounds a bit toxic positivity. It was the only thing they weren't flexible on. Um, but in it, I was like, as long as if I can make it my own. So I think the opening line is like, hi, it's really annoying whenever people tell us, you know, we can just choose to be happy. But it's a beautiful little book. Like, it's it's like a hug, that book. Like, it just makes you feel good. It's divided into short little sections about that looks at happiness through the view of our past, present and future. So it covers things like um, the psychology of befriending fear or overcoming uncertainty or finding our purpose. And it's just really easy to read with like little exercises included in it, but it just has this warmth about it. And it's sold incredibly well, particularly um, in the US.
0: Emily silver Hockstra believes everyone has the power to create the lives they dream of. During a holiday to Costa Rica, she enrolled in an intuitive painting course and immediately was taken on a process that changed her life. The woman teaching her ended the course by interpreting her painting and telling Emily that she needed to be brave and to go after what she really wanted, love. Returning to the US, she quit a job then booked a one-way trip to Bali to find herself and plan the future. But in the beginning, it wasn't so spiritual and meaningful. It took three weeks of rain, rats and stray dogs before Emily realised the need to look at life differently and be grateful for what she was experiencing and use this for her motivation. Back in the US again, her dream of being a published author did not immediately eventuate at her first attempt. However, a random encounter with a man in a coffee shop who thought she was a good listener suggested she would make a great life coach. Within a month, Emily enrolled in a course to become a life coach, and this was the primary part of her life ever since. And finally, a year later, she did publish her first book on gratitude.
3: Yeah, I actually have a vacation that I took when I was working in corporate America. It was actually the longest vacation I had ever given myself. It was two weeks,
4: wow. and
3: which in America that's long. <laughs> um, anyway, I went to Costa Rica, and I went by myself. And during that time, I was just writing and swimming in the ocean and really enjoying having alone time. And I saw a flyer for an intuitive painting course. And it intrigued me. So I signed up for it. And I walked down this dirt road, I thought I was lost. And then this little green hut appeared. And it was just me and this woman in this one room hut, and she had paint and clay. And she took me through this process that changed my life. And through the process I painted, I never painted before, she had me use colors, she had me uh not use color she had me use the tip of the paintbrush she had me use the brush of the paintbrush. it was very confusing but at the end I had this beautiful picture and I could see this wave because I love the ocean but the wave was going back in on itself and on the other side of the wave was this heart and she interpreted the painting for me which was really special. she said, it looks like you're afraid to go after what you really want. And I think it's love. And that sunk my stomach because there was a stranger in another world or another country and she saw right through me. And I had this really successful job. I was doing all the things you're supposed to do in corporate America, making the money that you're supposed to make. And here's this woman telling me what I actually want, the things that I was afraid to tell myself. And then she gave me a word. She said, I want to give you a word. I give a word to every single one of my students. Your word is brave. And I started crying. And again, she saw me, she saw right through me. And I told her, I don't feel like I'm brave. I don't feel like that's a good word for me. And she said, you are brave. I want you to pick two cards. And she had a deck of cards in front of me. And I had never seen Oracle cards before. This was before I started like looking into Oracle cards and all that kind of stuff. So I picked the two cards and she said, the first one is how your life feels right now. The second one is how your life can be. So the first one was a picture of two men, arm wrestling, and they had these looks on their faces of strain and struggle. And it definitely coincided with the way that I was feeling with my job. It was, it was easy, but it was also struggle because I was always gone. I couldn't form relationships. And it really was how I felt. I, I was wanting to quit my job and go after what I really wanted, but I was so afraid because, you know, there was the security of a job. Then I flip over the second card and it's a picture of a girl back floating in a pool with her feet up. And it to me was a picture of freedom and surrender and letting go. And at that moment, I'm like, I I have to let go of this job. It's the only way I'm going to feel free like this girl in the, in the picture. Now, some people would say these are just two cards and whatever, but for me, it was very profound because here I have this, this stranger giving me the word brave, which is what I needed to do. She saw that I was trying to go after love, which was something that I couldn't do in this job because I was gone all the time. And then there's these magical cards that were in front of me, like telling my future. And so for me, that experience was transformative. Like it it changed my direction. I made the decision to quit my job. I didn't actually quit my job for three more months because again, it's scary to say no to security, but I finally did do it. But I think the catalyst was this intuitive painting course. This woman had a piece of paper with marker taped to the coffee shop's wall. Like it, it wasn't a formal flyer. She had no website. I just, I just found it. Like, I was meant to see this sign that day because I was going into this coffee shop every morning for two weeks writing. I'd get my bowl of fruit. I'd get my iced coffee. That sign wasn't there. And then one day I went in probably a week into my trip and I saw the sign And I called the number and she gave me these, these very strange directions to go on this dirt road. And she's like, maybe, maybe a mile, maybe not, but you'll see a greenhouse. Like it was just very unofficial. So I don't know how long she had done it, but she definitely had a gift. And I'm glad that I saw the sign the day that I did. I actually felt really energized. I felt this energy just going through me and I I just started visualizing what my life would look like. If I were to quit my job, I started thinking about like, I have this very practical side to me, like, okay, how much time do I have with the money that I've saved? And what could I do as a job? Because I had, I didn't know what I would do. And so my dream had always been to write a book. Now. I know now, now that I've been an author for a while, that you do not go running out of the gate as a New York Times bestseller, but that was my goal. And so I really thought, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to be a New York Times bestseller, and I'm just going to write for the rest of my life, and that's going to be great. So I really felt this energy around creation, around freedom, and travel, and that's just I kind of just went with that. I booked a one-way ticket to Bali and I quit my job after I bought that ticket. So they couldn't talk me into staying because I knew that they would say, you know, maybe how about this position or we'll pay me, pay you more money. And I didn't want to have that out. So I knew that if I had this one-way ticket, I would say to them, sorry, I've already bought a ticket to leave. And When I quit my, the president of the company was very gracious. He was my mentor and I was actually afraid to tell him because I didn't want him to feel like I didn't appreciate all the things that he had done for me. So I cried when I quit, but he just gave me a hug and he said, you know, I've known this day was coming. And so it's kind of like, it felt like the world knew that I was supposed to do this. I was the last one to find out. So I had these dreams of Bali being eat, pray, love, just like the book, but it was actually really hard. It poured rain for most of my trip. I saw lots of rats and stray dogs and the small village that I chose to live in was lovely, but it was, it was hard. And so for me, I was kind of in my head, trying to like with my expectations, just really upset that this, you know, I, I waited this whole time to quit my job and now I'm here and just kind of being upset with the universe, just angry with the rain, the dogs, the rats, the, the whole situation. And then one day I just decided to be grateful. I thought I'm going to, I'm going to, cause I was walking into town into Ubud and I said, I'm going to be, I'm just going to walk around and find things that are good i'm gonna be grateful and you know i I step over a dead rat but there's a beautiful flower i'm grateful for this beautiful flower i'm grateful that i get to have this wonderful meal and then that night i went back and i was swimming and it was raining and I'm like, I'm grateful that I get to swim in Bali in the rain. And at that moment, the rain stopped and the clouds parted and the full moon came out. And it was just amazing. And I thought, okay, I can change my mindset. I can, I can do better than my expectations and all these things that I'm holding on to so tightly. And it was just a for me bali taught me that surrender is the key so so when i did come home i'm like i gotta write this next bestseller so i just put my nose to the grindstone and started writing and writing and writing and um That book didn't get published. That book was rejected over and over and over again. But when I was in a coffee shop writing, a guy came up to me, just a random stranger and started telling me this sad story. And I gave him some advice, I guess. And he just said, this is another like catalyst for me is you should be a life coach. You're a really good listener. And I had never heard of life coaching. This was 2014. I don't think it was so mainstream back then. I had never even heard of Tony Robbins. Like it just wasn't something that was in my vocabulary. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, is that a real job? Because I'm so used to corporate titles. And he goes, yeah, you should look it up. So I looked it up. Sure enough, there was a school in San Diego uh, starting their classes the following month. And I'm like, I saved this money to live? Why don't I train myself in some type of skill? And I'm really glad that I went to this class and got this certification because that's what I've been doing since 2014 is writing and life coaching. You can write for a very long time and maybe no one's going to read it. So that was my case. I I started a blog. I just started sharing my thoughts and things that I was thinking and going through. And my mailing list maybe had 50 people on it. Like nobody was reading my stuff. I had a hundred followers on Instagram and a publisher read me, read a blog post. And she said, she sent me an email and said, would you like to write a book on gratitude? Cause I had been talking a lot about gratitude and how powerful it was because for me, it like added color to the world. It made the world like technicolor for me because I really started opening my eyes to how wonderful things were, as opposed to going into my negative plot patterns that I was so used to ever since I was a child. So she liked that and we collaborated on the book and that I got my first book deal in 2017, 16, 2016. And that to me, if you were to ask me, like to me, that's more successful, even just that, email was somebody actually read my work which was my dream come true so a year before I got the coaching okay and then the next year I got the book deal which is the thing I'm most
1: proud of
4: we spoke on the bus on the way home from work he was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur. Oh, work and no play. And how, how it had turned out this way. He told me his plan a short term escape, five weeks on the and track. by the way sense was engaged his mind was as clear as the sky completely alone no emails or phone